0: This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. Phone-in elements of these shows are not available, but if you'd like to comment or give us feedback on our shows, you can tweet us at Lovesport Radio. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Alternatively, you can find this and other podcasts on iTunes or Spotify using the keyword Love Sport.
1: You are listening to the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. I'm joining in the studio with Gunners Tan, Dave Seeger, and Chris Howard. Well, for the next hour, there may have been no football on the weekend. Not the real football anyway. No Premier League action. But we'll be talking about the manager, obviously, Torreira, Ber- Bellerin. What is going on with some of the players? What is going on with their agents? Maybe more to put it. And what is happening at the club right now? And we're going to be looking at those next run of fixtures because Arsenal, they need a win it needs to happen this Saturday against Southampton delighted to say Tom Parker from the Saints FC podcast will be joining us to give us an opposition view of that game Arsenal at home hoping for three points they need to kick start that run somewhere but as always you can get involved in tonight's show tweet us at love sport radio or call us 0208 well no football which means no negativity Chris no bad result to talk of no poor performance day
2: he looks at me for the negativity. No. Uh, yeah. I'm always positive. you know, Dave, you know yeah. Dave's yeah, always positive. Well, Charlie's enjoyed, positive. Enjoyed watching,
3: not you. Enjoy watching all those Arsenal players playing for England. It's great. Mm. Oh no, there weren't any. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> They haven't been for years. And to top it, where's it off, where's Danny Welbeck when you need yeah.
1: him? And to top it off, Harry Kane and Harry Winks can't stop scoring. Well, Where were they? Yeah. yeah, nice, nicely put, Seager, to start off to start us off tonight. But Chris, obviously, look, no more poor performance, no game to chew over from the weekend. But it has been the international break, always boring, I find. But now we can concentrate on the Premier League returning. Do you think that maybe the international break? It was just what Arsenal needed.
2: I would say yes. So when we spoke last Monday, yes, and then I got to Tuesday afternoon, and I was like, "Oh, blimey, this is rubbish." The build-up where the press just go over the top with the internationals, and then the most pointless—they were—they were pointless, weren't they? Let's be honest. with you. I didn't even know that the uh, England Kosovo game was on until I saw that it was—it was came up on my uh, on my my sky hopping channel hopping ways. But mm. yeah, I'm glad. I'm actually. Glad to be back into thinking about Arsenal, but I don't. Does that even happen for another day or two? Because we've got, you know, the the fallout as the players come back. There's still some internationals going on at the moment, and then we'll get Unai Emery. I mean, if he started his press conference tomorrow, we might actually get some decent sound bites by Friday because he does like to waffle, doesn't he?
1: Ooh, I know that's that's not nice the emery bashing has already started <laughs> i hope we can uh, look towards the game because we've got an arsenal fan show for an hour so we have to look at it in some capacity but dave it was interesting just before we started on drive martin allen said that there's two ways to look at an international break one the players can get away they can recharge recover a change of scenery they can forget what's going on with their domestic clubs but the flip side is they come back they're all happy from their international duty then they go Oh back to this and this is still going on like a cloud hanging over what way do you see well
3: it? i think also because of the cloud that is hanging over the team at the moment we've also had all the agent talk and and mm-hmm. and, and what that's what we know about because that's been in the papers what we don't know about is the club you know International teammates saying, Well, yeah, you know, maybe you should come here, or maybe you know, it's mm. not going on there. Maybe you want to move. I mean, I saw us linked to you know, a, a Swiss teammate of Shaka's as his replacement if he goes to <laughs> Borussia monchengladbach Glad I'm thinking, Oh, Shaka's really going to have sold us, isn't <laughs> yeah. he? In the, in the international break, there that's really going to have happened. <laughs> Can but, you imagine um, that? Yeah, yeah, oh, right, yeah, definitely, granite, a, granite. It's definitely a good move for you. Yeah,
2: granite. My uh, my agent said I should uh, I should come over. Well, talk to me about the fans. Yeah, how do they, how do they treat you in the stadium? Apart from,
3: apart from these two guys called Dave and Chris, they're all a bunch of. Idiots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: he didn't even include
2: Charlie.
3: No, now. Charlie's in Charlie. tonight, so you're out. Right. Of, so, out if of, so you're not in the studio,
1: you head. camp for nothing. I'm <laughs> I'm dreading the fact that the night I can't make it. But let's let's talk about that because Dave mentioned it. What the teammates were saying, the agents. I know we're going to talk a little bit about it later. But when the agents do come out, whether it's Bellerin whether it's Shaka, whether it's Sorreira. Do you think, Dave, this is just agents being typical agents and, you know, they start the ball rolling? Or do you think some of this stuff does come specifically from the player themselves? Well, I think if it's become into the public domain,
3: the agent is not going to do something without the player's knowledge. I don't think any player would allow their agent to speak publicly Mm. without their knowledge. If they were not ready to speak publicly about things, they would say to their agent, speak to some other agents, speak to other clubs behind the scenes. But the fact that Torreira's agent and Bellerin's agent both seem to be quite happy to speak publicly, I don't think... I just don't see. As much as my opinion of agents is quite low, I don't think they would do that without the players their 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 clients' permission. No, of no, course think? they wouldn't. Of
2: course they wouldn't. And you 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 always do that, don't you? It's almost become the accepted thing that these players will be. They almost use the agents as a shield, don't they? Mm. To
1: Good cop bad cops so at the yeah. agent' consent and go, "Oh no, my agent, you know oh, mm-hmm. I'm happy here." But you know, well, there was only the a couple of years ago that
3: there was that. You know. Uh, cab gate sort of thing where there was that recording by a taxi driver of what a chauffeur or whatever of Bellerin's you know and his agent talking in the back of the car about educating for a move in the latter part of Wenger's reign and I you know reasonable authority I think that actually did happen you know so you know he was definitely not happy towards the end of the Wenger era but I thought under Emery certainly last season Bellerin was making all the right noises again you know he's He's a North London boy, isn't he? Mm. He's not, and I think most fans would have chosen him to be captain. And this just shows a, throws a little bit of a dampener on that, really, because he's come back. He's definitely not himself yet, but you can see the signs that it's not. It's only a matter of time because he's that good. And that's the last thing you want to hear when you've got other players agitating.
2: Does I- it not speak to the general dressing room malaise that probably exists at the moment that you've got this sort of stuff coming out? Because this hasn't really happened to us very much in the last, what, four or five years or whatever it is. You don't get the players coming out and saying this sort of stuff, Mm. those types of rumours. It does happen every once in a while when people go away on international break, but this feels like it, it... It almost feels a little bit like the rats deserting the sinking ship because when you've got players that are just like this isn't fun to be where we're not playing good football if champions league starts to look less and less likely which again like we were talking last week what was it 17% 17% yeah chance, Arsenal's chances chances of making top 4 so when you've got stuff like that the players will be thinking do you know what My lucky i'm number. playing i'm well, hopefully i'm, I'm playing all right so maybe i can get a move to a champions league team and that's the likes of you get the likes of Obamiang will be thinking i'm playing all right so maybe i should just get myself out at the end of the season
1: maybe it's because we're in the Arsenal bubble we're Arsenal fans but but it just feels like to me Arsenal we're, we're haunted by social media stuff we saw it last week with Aubameyang posting a message and then fans have come back and said you know what that was uh, meant to be about all of a sudden but Dave does it, does it feel like this happens at United elsewhere yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure it does but, but to the did. level that we're at it just seems always a social media headline whether it's well, an agent talking or you know TV outside of the grounds or other social media posts with our captain Granite Shaker, well, it feels really rife. Well, yes, indeed, but I would say it's it's just as
3: if Spurs were as big a club as us you know, you'd, you'd hear it a bit more, but they're not. But it's it's definitely happening at Spurs. I mean, I heard Ricky on the station today. I mean, I was speaking to Ricky on the fans' forum three months ago. He was talking about challenging for the Premier League. He's now having a debate with uh, Love Sport today as to whether the manager should be sacked or not. I mean, mm. you know, it does change. Spurs fans are desperately unhappy. Half the Spurs fans want Pochettino, who's the messiah three months ago, to be sacked. Mm. So it isn't just us. But I think the problem with us is, is that it... It should be a new dawn. That's why it's more exacerbated because we were expecting something different than Wenger, something positive, something, a new direction, a new, you know, a new setup, a new regime, all the. Tool, all all the tools seem to be in the you know in the right place. The players have been signed. The management structure of the club seems better. Everybody's focused, and then it's ha- it's not happening. That's why it seems to be exacerbated with us. I think
1: no, not I didn't mean the fans. I meant the players. <laughs> We're hearing about the players like Granite Shaka's post and Abam Yang's post on uh, well, Instagram. Now and now... could, no,
3: because we've heard about Ericsson out of our old rows. We've heard about you know um, Pogba at Man United. So I don't think it's just an Arsenal thing. I just think it's just like as as Chris said, it's. Because we are in such a bad situation, it's been like buses isn't it? You know, mm. Buses in a row, hasn't it? And it does but.
2: feel like the situation's been exacerbated because Unai Emery doesn't essentially have the goodwill capital... To, to fall back on yeah. like Pochettino does which is why you're talking about half the Spurs fans want Pochettino gone well I think it feels like 80-90% of Arsenal fans want Unai Emery gone because he hasn't actually his his season last season had some good bits we were backing him and then the debacle that happened with the form at the end of the season and then that disgrace of a Europa Cup final it, it, it really hit, hit people hard this season people came back and they were actually a little bit more there was a bit more re- renewed hope you yeah. know we'd done a bit more good business window. in the, yeah. Good window. We've done a bit more business. All right, let's see what we had last season, but with some better players. Let's see yeah, if we can we, get that but top But we do four, still innit? have to take stock.
3: and as you, I mean, we're looking at the fixtures. We've got Southampton, we've got Norwich, we've got Brighton, we've got West Ham. You know, we've got those four games before we play Man City. Now, just say we build up ahead of steam and get 12 points or 10 points and we're, we're in fifth and we play the same system every week with the same players every week. That's how quickly it could turn around. Even though they're lesser sides, if we played the same system and we had some continuity and everyone knew they were playing and suddenly the style developed, everyone would forget.
2: Do you know what? Yeah, I mean, I would. My anger, frustration, and irritation with Unai Emery and publicly calling for him to go. Would start to subsidise if we win four out of our next four, including <laughs> subsidise,
3: subsidise,
2: subsidise.
3: I'm subsidising sub- you. I'm, subs- <laughs> I'm, subs- I'm
2: subsidising your wages, Emery. All right. I'm paying for your wages. <laughs> all right, all right, faux pas. <laughs> Continue, Vocal, Chris. F- vocal, f- faux pas. <laughs> <laughs> subside. It happens. It would subside, but if you think about that, so so let's let's break it down. Arsenal, Southampton win. Yeah. Um, Then Norwich away. Win. Uh, at the moment the way we're playing they've got, so players, they've got so many players injured Brighton at home West Ham away so ignore the, the Europa League stuff if he picks 4 wins out of 4 12 points and we're we're looking a little bit differently then maybe you know we get go to that Man City game feeling a bit more excited bit of a renewed vigour however if he does not pick up 4 out of 4 it's every single time it feels like every single time something goes wrong the fans are going to get right back on his back
3: yeah I think even a draw wouldn't be enough in I think any he of ne- the games, I think, he needs to, I think he does need to win all four.
1: You, you mentioned there, though, Chris. You said 18, eighty to ninety percent uh, maybe already want the manager out. You said, but if we get, we have a good run of form in the next four or five games, you know, you're, the the want for the manager leaving or someone new will subside. <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah. Isn't this the problem, though? Because can't you give that a chance? Go, I'm, I'm very much, you know, I'm, I'm, I still don't think we should change just yet. I still believe in Unai, but you know, there is a potential, there is a chance for us to go on a four, or five run games. It can't be that quick. Oh, if we get four, or five games, then I don't mind him staying. That's okay. Well, no, okay.
2: I, I, I still think he should. Even four wins, I still don't think that. I don't think the performances have been good enough. Even before this current poor mm. run, we can now look back at Watford away. Bournemouth at home, Aston Villa at home until we turned it around. There are Newcastle even the first game of the season, Newcastle away. We were pretty poor at times. The problem is is that we've got lots of data points behind this current poor run which are pointing worryingly towards the fact he's not really he doesn't really know what he's doing arguably. Um my view is that like you if he if he gets 4 out of 4 then you say okay well if we're still in it, if we're still in the hunt, then you don't change a manager if you're still in the hunt. But I just feel that the way we're playing at the moment, I cannot see us winning all four of those games with the, the way that the players are playing. The yeah. confidence levels is so poor. It only takes, um, you know, Southampton to get one counter-attacking goal on Saturday and they score the first goal. And people will be on his back, you know, mm. the, t- the players themselves look like as soon as we concede, they just fold. Sorry, mate. David. he's say already lost you. Say something positive.
3: Well, I was just thinking of a parallel, to be honest. I would say five weeks ago, <clears throat> most of the media were calling for Solskjaer to be sacked. Now most of the media are saying he's got something going, he's got the consistency, they're grinding out results, it looks like you can see a direction they're taking, and that is a complete turnaround. And it's down to a couple... And that's without Pogba, it's Martial coming back, and a consistency of selection. That's what's happened. He's been able to select that front three he wanted. That might happen with Tierney and Bellerin fully fit. We might look a completely different team. I know we've said this before, but it could happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not confident it's going to happen. But certainly, Schoelskaer's definitely, You know, if he hasn't turned it around completely, he's, he's well on the turn at Man United. Mm. They've had a good run of results. Well, the they tide. look like they have a, a consistent playing style. Rashford seemed to have his mojo back. Martial's back. They're looking like a consistent setup again. They've always been tight at the back. And and it was only I say four or five weeks ago, everyone was like, There's no chance. He's not gonna last till Christmas. So it can change. You know, it is a very it's a very fickle business, as we know. But Chris is right, you know, this is not a this season thing. This this goes back to about March last year when the form turned. And as Chris correctly said, we all we all forgot that last three months of last season because of this fantastic transfer window on paper that we had. I'm at, well, what I'm really concerned, I, I am. I don't really care about Shaka. It's done. I do care about Lucas Torreira. I, I really feel disheartened by that because I'm not saying he's Gilberto Silva reincarnate. He's not Claude Makélélé. But you know, if he was in that role week in week out, it, you know, he may not be our long term solution. But he's a better solution than Shaka, and now we've managed to not only upset Shaka, we've managed to upset Lucas Torreira by playing him out of position while Shaka was getting upset. <laughs> mm. That's
1: really frustrating. It is really frustrating. It's also really worrying. Dave said he's worried about uh, Torreira being unhappy, and he certainly is. We're going to make uh, talk about what him and his agent had to say next.
0: We've all got one, and we're not afraid to put it on display. Our opinions, that is. Share yours now at Love Sport Radio on Twitter or call us 0208 70 20 558. Love Sport Radio, your fan station.
1: Uh, Dave, just was speaking a little bit about Torreira then. He's not happy. We're not playing him in his position. Last year, we were so excited when he signed. He had a great start to the season. Kind of hit a wall January, I think it's fair to say. We've not seen the best of him this year. But if all reports are to be believed, Dave, he's not happy, is he? Well, I don't think he was happy in the summer, to be
3: honest. And I don't think he's been happy um, all season. And that's just been exacerbated by being asked to play in a position that he probably doesn't want to play. I mean, albeit people do forget, when he started his professional career, he was a winger. Um, you know, he, he was converted to a defensive midfield player when he was at Sampdoria. So you know, it's not like he can't play in a more advanced. He seems to score some good goals, um, and, and he can thread a pass. But I just think it, it's just. It's just the not knowing where he stands and I, I, I you know, you'd know, you sense listening to him talk and his agent talk that he's not getting much by in the way of feedback from the manager. I mean the manager's talking in the press about oh yes he's doing a great job for us on the edge of the box, he can, he's got mm. attacking instincts and you think that's, I wonder if he's having that conversation with Lucas Torreira because you get the impression from the agent that there hasn't been those conversations going on and he's just been asked to do a job that he wasn't expected to be asked to do. You know? yeah.
1: Bear with me here, and I'm probably being a little bit cynical. Well, I am. I feel that this is a great scapegoat for Torreira to say I'm not being played in my position. I believe he's not happy either way. You know, I don't know whether it's the climate, the weather, the language. He doesn't really want to be. I think he'd love to go back to Serie A. Napoli, AC, Milan apparently, you know, uh, are are interested in his service. For me, this feels like that plays perfectly into that situation. If we were winning and he was playing there, we heard some of the rumours still last year. I don't know if he's overly happy playing in the Premier League, playing Mm -hmm. with Arsenal, playing. In England, Chris. Yeah,
2: um, I think winning also helps, doesn't mm. it? You know, if we're uh, top of the league right now, and he's playing in a winning team, then everyone. Well, you to see the way he reacts team, when, it, when things so. are
3: going well. Mm. You know, when he scores, he yeah, yeah,
2: yeah exactly. So, I think the Torreira situation is an interesting one. I think the communication actually is an important point to bring up on because I've heard this a couple of times about um, Emery's communication style because people often compare it to Wenger's. he was a brilliant communicator but also he'd always put his arm around people and Emery doesn't seem like he's that sort of guy so I wonder if there's there's part of that but he's, he has been played out of position and some of the co- comments from was it Pablo Beneker the, the agent that is worrying, and my worry is that we're going to end up having to we're going to end up shipping out players just because we've got a guy who's not playing in the right position, square pegs in round holes.
1: Mm, well, yeah. a bigger worry is, like Dave said, we can't afford to lose Torreira and
3: checker No, we can't. <laughs> I mean, however, however highly, and I think most of us do rate Guedes and Willock very highly. <laughs> you got to remember that those two and Ceballos are all, you know, between sort of twenty and twenty-two. You, know, you 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 know, however good they are, however talented they are, and we don't know how long. I, I assume Tobias is only a minor strain, so I assume he's going to be available at the weekend. But you still got, if you're going to play four three three, and if he does go back to that, that's three players playing for Arsenal, one of the biggest clubs in Europe, who are all under twenty two. In in you know, as as the engine room, you need some experience in there, which is why I think he relied so heavily on Chaka, and you know, Shaka wasn't really good enough, potentially but he still had the experience and the calming influence in the same way that Arteta did when he was playing with Song or Wilshere or Ramsey when they were younger players, you just need that one player who's going to be that calming influence, so if we'd lose, if we were in a situation, because is not even that old Shaka is experienced, if we lose Shaka and Torreira I think there's two things he either has to buy or he has to make the decision to play David Luiz in midfield, they're the two options and I think the latter one is a distinct possibility going
1: forward. Do you think there's a case where we we lose both in January or or one? Because I, I can't see. I think Arsenal, with with the way they've handled business and contracts, if they are if they're both resigned to losing them, I don't think it will be to the summer tip for both. Well, only, well, it will only happen if
3: if as I say, if they've if Emery's made a decision that now Holdings fit, Chambers is playing well. You know, Mustafi's actually playing well in Europe, and he's got so he's got four centre backs apart from David Luiz. If he thinks he can trust two of them and he's going to go back to 4 2 three, one, then he could play David Luiz alongside a Willock or a Guendouzi without any shadow of a doubt. Because I think, I think most international football experts would say that's David Luiz's best position. Mm. But So that's a possibility. Otherwise, yes, I wouldn't do it unless they've got a guaranteed replacement to come so, in.
2: So, Charlie, did I hear you say that you think that neither Xhaka or Torreira will go until the summer? No, what, both would.
1: I, I, I don't think uh, I don't think they'll let I don't I, actually yeah I don't think they'll let either go if they do it be Xhaka. they won't let Torreira go until I, the summer.
2: I think I'll be really interested to see what happens when Emery does his press conference this week because and whether the the questions are asked about whether Xhaka gets into the squad because if he basically says something along the lines of oh you know he's not quite ready or something like he's that played well, two games for Switzerland ex- exactly he's played a couple of times for Switzerland with a big smiling face on an Instagram post, with uh, you know subtle comments about happiness and whatever it is. He can play, he's ready to play, he's match fit. If Emery doesn't put him into the team, I think that's him done, and I think they'll just ship him in January.
1: I I, I think I'm absolutely crazy, and you and you two both tell me that. But for some strange reason, I don't think Shaq has done Arsenal. I just really I don't know why. I think he will. There's going to be a way he finds a way back in. Honestly, I can't see him going. I I tend to agree, actually. Really? Yeah. I I feel like we're definitely in the minority, Dave. No, I I just. Erzul found a way back. Uh, Well, has
2: he? Um, No, that's desperation on Emery's part, isn't it? He's trying to find solutions.
3: Well, there is a precedent here, isn't there? Because Gallas carried on for a long time after his captaincy was stripped in a very public fashion. Mm. In, and, and what Gallas did on the pitch was probably, I think, as bad, if not worse. We were going for the title yeah. and he sat down and refused to move in the middle of a bloody game. Mm. Um, so, and he found a way back into the Arsenal. Well, in fact, he was never dropped. He carried on playing. He just was stripped of the armband. So there is a precedent. Um, and I just I keep coming back to the fact that there has to be an older head in that midfield with all these youngsters so it's going to be shaka or it's going to be david Luiz or we buy they're the three options but I, I just i do quite like the idea of david Luiz playing as a defensive midfield player if terreira's not happy that worries well, me i quite
2: like the idea of someone really? playing alongside mm. alongside granite jacko as a proper defensive midfielder a ball winning midfielder alongside Xhaka well, would we probably had that work last quite season well. Yeah, and it worked when it uh, towards when we got to about this time last year, it was actually working. Xhaka and Torreira alongside each other was working, and now for some weird reason, he's pulled out uh, Torreira, or he's playing him a more advanced pressing higher, which I don't think has worked. And Granite Xhaka, we all know the situation there, but his form has suffered as well, being sat alongside Matteo Genduzi.
1: Oh,
3: I, I think also that the, the other thing that's happened is he's he's moved from the four two three one with a pressing ten, which he did most of our, until we moved to the back three last year. He was playing Ramsey in that pressing ten role, which is why he wasn't letting Ozil play there. And and I think if he was playing the four two three one, I don't think he's ever going to play a part. I don't think he wants to play a passing ten. It's like if you look at the way Oxley Chamberlain played for England in the four two three one, or the way you know that that's a running ten. He can pass the ball, but. You know he can he can beat a man as well. That's what he wants. He wants someone who's going to be able to press their 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 their, their defense. And Ramsey was that player. For whatever reason he's not with us anymore. So I think that's when we saw the best of Torreira and Shaka when Ramsey when all three of them were playing. But it wasn't in a four three three. It was more. Mm. It was a slightly different formation. So Torreira just doesn't seem to know. On the right of the four-three-three, three, exactly what it is. You know, is it a four-one-two-three or is it four-two? And if it's a four-two are sitting and one's got a roving role, he seems to have been the one with a roving role, and he hasn't got a clue what he's supposed to be doing.
2: And then you go back to the commu- we go back to the communication issue. I mean, if if he doesn't know or doesn't look like he knows what his actual instructions are, then ultimately, who's the one that's giving him? Is it Emery? Maybe I'm bashing Emery too much. Maybe it's not him. Maybe the the player is not delivering, and maybe that's why. You know, he's he's not really played as much, but there's, yeah, something's not right there. And we've got a very, very good, competent, defensive, ball-winning midfielder who's not being played in a position that everyone, apart from the Arsenal coaching staff, seem to know how to play.
1: When well, we're talking about the formations, Dave, you mentioned a lot there. What if he sticks to the three at the back with the two wing-backs and, and it's completely different? What, what, what do you think of that as well? Well, we said that two weeks ago, didn't mm. we,
3: Charlie? And I said that... We thought he he would drift to that, and and the players would suit that, because there's no doubt a fully fit Tierney and a fully fit Bellerin will probably quite enjoy that, and it does solve a problem of you know the fact that we haven't got enough good centre midfield players, because you know it, we, there's more stability behind them, but I'm I'm not convinced. I've never seen us play. I think probably handful of games where we've had actually had... Everyone says we should, but when we have Lacazette and the Bamiang as a two, I'm, trying, I'm struggling to think of more than three or four games where it's actually worked. Mm. You know, It feels
2: like it should it work. It feels
3: like it should work. But I just think, right now, he's got to go for a team rather than the players. He's got to stop shoehorning. And I think, personally, it means that he has to choose... To, I've said this before on the station, he has to choose between Lacazette and the Bamiang as his starter. And I think Martinelli... Or or, or Reese Nelson, if fit, you know that he needs you know he needs Pepe on one side and one of the avatars on the other side more naturally wide forwards cutting in going past their man just give us a bit more width and, and just go back to a four two three one but it means rotating the centre forward the pop- and that means Laka will probably you know want to leave as well at the end of the season but I just don't I just I've never seen it really work they obviously play well together when Abamang on the left. But he's in such a rich frame of form. Do we want to push him back out on the left? I don't think we do.
2: Mm. I mean, the problem is, is that when, when they've been playing together recently, the form of the whole team has just yeah, been so yeah, rubbish that that hasn't impacted. But, you know, you can't just take that point going back to last season even at times. It didn't seem to work as well. But they haven't, like you said, I'm trying to think the Crystal Palace game, he played a four four two. he started off with, yeah. and, well, we get two goals up, but that was just through two set pieces. So, Can you say that worked? I don't really know. Mm. Well, we're talking about formations
1: and where the club is at right now. We're going to talk a little bit about that, talk a little bit more about the manager and look towards that game with Southampton, which is a huge game on the weekend.
0: For the fans, by the fans, Love Sport Radio
1: you're listening to the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me Charlie Hawkins I'm joined in the studio with Gunners Tan Dave Seeger and Chris Howard you can still have your say on tonight's show tweet us at Love Sport Radio or call us 0208 70 558 you can also WhatsApp on the same number let's quickly talk then because obviously have our feelings changed towards the manager at all with the international break because we mentioned it earlier Chris you know you're in that little bubble maybe you think oh maybe I'm being a bit too harsh maybe it is a bit of a knee-jerk reaction or now that you've had time to reflect you still feel the same if not worse I don't feel worse <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's, let's move on to Dave that's a pleasant start <laughs> um I
2: yeah I think as I said before the international break in some ways Emery's a lucky boy because we've got four very winnable fixtures and as far as I'm concerned it's you win those four fixtures mate and then we'll see how you're getting on once we get onto there I mean the Europa League ones we should beat Frankfurt and then that's it done and dusted in theory um we were just also talking about formations, actually, and we talked about this last week. Um, my view is that four-two-three-one is the way to go forward. Dropping Torreira back into that sort of defensive hole, um, Bellerin and Tierney starting. Play Leno, play Luis. I'm not really sure about Sogradis or who else plays there. Chambers. on I don't know who plays alongside Torreira though, because I don't think Gendouzi, I think Gunduzi is believing a bit of his own hype at the moment. Um, he's am so not, not been sure. as good the last few games. Yeah, I'm not sure he's that good. I would Chambers, play. Chambers yeah.
3: and Torreira. He won't. Yeah. He won't drop Gündüz.
2: No, he won't. But, but uh, is that, that the right thing to do? Because when I've seen Gündüz and Torreira together, it doesn't always feel like it works. Mm. It's not been very often. Though.
3: I tell you what, though. It, no, it was quite at the end of last season. It wasn't working, and I thought Torreira was struggling with the Premier League at the end of last season because he only played 25 games for Sampdoria the previous season. He, As you say, he went off the ball from about January, February. And it didn't help him playing with Guendouzi and not Shaka. Was Shaka injured? I can't remember. But there were games where those two played together. And Guendouzi also went off the ball badly at the end of last season because of just being overplayed as a 20-year-old or a 19-year-old. He just played far too many games. So I think both of those two were struggling. They were running on treacle at the end of last season. So I don't think we can judge them as a pair on how bad they were at the end of last season. I don't know how many times I've seen them play in a two this season. Probably once, twice. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, I'm trying to struggle. I'd certainly try it, but then again, if if Ceballos is fit, then I think we have to give Sabyas a run of games. Particularly as he's he said he doesn't want to go back to Real Madrid, which is interesting. Mm. You know, I don't think any Arsenal fans are. Well, I, I wouldn't say the majority of Arsenal fans are convinced by him, but I
1: think there's a player in there, <laughs> definitely, I and I, I think we need to give him a run of games. Imagine. But... This is the perfect game for Danny Sebastian. Yeah, we're at home, we're yeah. going to dominate the possession. He, he's a bit of a passion merchant, you know, he, yeah. he should be all over it. This is a game, really, because we've mentioned that, you know, he seems low on confidence. Yeah. This should be the ideal game for and him. And
3: also, the other thing is, it, we've had we've had this international break, you know, so what, was it good, what was it bad? What's good for is Lacazette's had more time to get back up to, because he's not yeah. been up to speed since he came back from yeah. injury, he's had a lot of time, he's not been with the French national side Bellerin's not been with the Spanish national side, Tierney's not been the Scottish national side, you know, and Ceballos has not been... At with. the request so, of Arsenal Yeah, so they're all there, probably doing serious training, you know in that international break to get more you know, up to speed, so you know, if they are all fit and ready to go and a lot fitter than they were two weeks ago, that's got to be a plus, plus. And and... We couldn't be playing a better side right now than Southampton. Yeah, I mean, we they are so low on confidence.
2: E- even lower than us. Yeah, Unbelievably. And we need to lay we're, a marker down. We're fifth, down. aren't we?
3: Yeah. yeah. We need to it's lay a marker down,
2: though. A marker yeah. needs to be laid down. Yeah, we need to spank week. them. All right, Dave. That was said with it's a little bit too much vigour. With yeah.
1: four or five. You no, know we do. You know you we need we do. to
2: step away from the mic a little bit. I thought maybe.
1: that's what you meant by lay a marker <laughs> down. Well, we will be talking to Tom Parker from the Saints FC podcast all about the game and whether Saints are running low on confidence. What does he think? Maybe the Saints are looking at the game and saying... Perfect time to be playing Arsenal also. Let's talk about, we're mentioning uh, central midfield partnerships, Torreira, Guendouzi, Shaka. A name that we're not mentioning is Willock. And, you know, he started the season very, very well. And now he sort of found himself on the fringes of the team, out of the fold a little bit. But it wasn't down to performances, Dave, because I really enjoyed watching him at the start of the season. Could he be someone, for me, I feel like should be starting, given a chance?
3: Well, the only reason I'm not mentioning him is not because I just think it's too young. Yeah, we can't have three. but we
1: overplayed Guendouzi you just mentioned it we're yeah. playing and why not him well I'm, I'm also you've got to be I mean I
3: probably would but you've got to be realistic and, and yeah. Emery does not drop Matteo Guendouzi he just doesn't mm. he never drops him if he's fit he plays and I didn't see that happening at the start of this season I thought after the way he finished last season he wouldn't be in the side but he has been so I think Guendouzi plays but Willock is Willock's interesting because if if we do play 4-2-3-1 and it isn't Ozil then I think that role is made for Willock he can but carry this the ball, want him he's a start. good passer, he's, he scores goals. Uh, in, it, in the first two games of the season, he played once in the in, in a sort of two and once as the ten. He can definitely do that job.
2: He's been suffering, so, though, from his confidence, hasn't he? Because, yeah. you know, we talked about it. The last international break got subbed off twice, was it? Yeah. For the under-21s. But then that goal. So. I mean, that oh, goal against um, uh, Liverpool, in Liverpool in the Liverpool, that should Cup. have given him some confidence. World-y. World-y. Mm.
1: Well, he wouldn't, you know, he would be low on confidence. You started well and then you find yourself out of the team because they all thought... he. he this was going to be his year, you know. Reece Nelson started. Willock started. Obviously, Nelson had the injury, but you know, when the team are low on confidence and we're not sure of the formations or the pairings, he's going to be wanting to start these games, Chris.
2: You would have thought so. Um, yeah, but if
1: you look at the three, and
3: you do go Willock, Torreira, no, in the three, I mean, if it's 4-2-3-1, oh, so right, you got okay. Pepe, who's played what ten games in in British football and is obviously not high on confidence. You've got Willock, who's nineteen, twenty or twenty one, is he? And Martinelli is nineteen. They're the three form players.
2: Mm. That's a that's
3: big gamble. There's no experience there at all, is there? There's no reserves to call on. But, but then, if we rely
1: on the players that we are, we've no confidence of putting in a performance like Leicester, and then we just we're getting the no, same. No, We got have got to, to try it, something. But you, yeah, but you've got to have a blend of
3: youth and experience. You can't throw too many kids in at the same time. But
2: here's the thing: um, if Aubameyang and Lacazette are fit, I think they both start. So if you're going to take the point and saying he doesn't drop Gunduzi, well, he's not going to drop Lacazette and Aubameyang, is he? So Martinelli's not going to get that shout. Yeah, I don't think he will.
1: Martinelli won't won't start. Well.
3: He could easily start in a four two three one because Pepe. Yeah, he started could the last start. two games, so he yeah, could start. He could Bamian. start, but he's not
2: going to start because um, no, Emery's not going to play that. He's not going to play him there. He's certainly not going to. Play. If he's going to do it, if he did a four two three one, he's not going to play Martinelli on the left, and he's not going to play Pepe on. No, he'll play he played Martinelli on the, the right. All right, but he's not going to play Martinelli on the right and Pepe on the left.
3: No, Bamian will be on the left if he's going to play both. You said if he I plays like I can't and see. Him,
2: I can't see him pl- starting Martinelli. I don't know why. I just have this feeling that he he won't go down that route. It's almost the the the, the antithesis of Gunduzi always starting. I just I've got this feeling about but Martinelli. Are
3: you saying you think you hope it's going to be 4-2-3-1 then Abamyang's back on the left
2: then for you the weekend. It's not Yeah, I think I think he will, I think that's that's what he'll go through for. Or he might try this 4-4-2 again. Play those two up top. You know, if Sabayas comes back in, he played left, not sure that worked, but played Pepe on the right. I've got a feeling that had some circumstances not gone against us on Crystal Palace, then he would have seen that as, all right, that's my blueprint. And we'd, we'd have seen that a lot more.
1: Mm. Mm. Let's quickly talk about Matthew Upson because he's been saying some things about his former club this week, saying that uh, Emery, you know, obviously it was any task to follow a manager like Arsene Wenger with the amount of time he had at the club is going to be difficult. You just have to look at Man United, but he said, made some mistakes, the key mistake, should have spent more on a defence, shouldn't have gone out and spent £70 on Pepe, should have gone out and bolstered the defence. He did, he bought Tierney, we bought uh, William... Uh, Saliba, yeah, who, who obviously he's not here this year, and he's had a, fa- a, a fair injury this year as also, but he has. It's just you know this is the way it's gone. You think Matthew up some uh, fair there, Chris?
2: I don't think he is fair. I think Arsenal identified players they wanted. They've wanted Tierney for a while. They, you know, they didn't. They they played the slightly longer game, but they got him. They identified Saliba and they got him eventually. But the caveat was well. You you can you can have him, but you have him in a year. So Arsenal took that decision. So I kind of understand. And he also,
3: also he wanted you know with the way and being not being naturally wide players playing wide and coming in all the time. I think he wanted a natural wide player, and Pepe mm. was obviously the man he yeah. identified.
2: So I think it's not that. I think there's been some form of a of a breakdown in the confidence in perhaps the way that the team are set up, and communicated the 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 formations that he's put together have, have seemed. It's changing, it's chopping, and changing every week. The personnel in certain positions has just seemed a little bit random at times.
3: Vegetarian thrown in his two pennies worth this week as well, hasn't he?
2: Has he? was oh, he Oh yeah, said. no, he
3: was saying that he, you know, he, he lost all confidence because Emery just wanted him to sort of support the fullback all the time, tuck in and play, not play with any width, and it was instructions. He followed instructions, and he couldn't express himself at all, so he lost confidence. He blamed it on Emery.
2: Do
1: we think that he's telling the truth there?
2: Because we well, always seem to be playing to play all right through. at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> is he playing all right at Roma? I just don't watch enough Italian football to, to tell. He's but.
1: playing about as well as Chris Smalling, I think,
2: who's actually had a
3: new lease of life at Roma. So. No, he's, he's, he's playing with more confidence. That's what he's saying. He's allowed to express himself. He's Obviously, he is, an, he is an expressive player. He's a talented player. He didn't become a bad player. He just didn't play well for Arsenal. So now he's saying it was, you know, man, manager's instructions fans got on my back because I was doing what I was told and it wasn't allowed to do what I wanted to do yeah Mm.
1: well when uh, it's going uh, badly or negative they all come out of the woodwork now something else that the manager was not doing well obviously communication a big part of that also it's not going well down at St Mary's for Southampton we play them this week this time at the Emirates and Tom Parker from the Saints FC podcast will be joining us next
0: Love Sport Radio the station giving fans a voice
1: you are listening to the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. I'm joined in the studio with Gunners Tan, Dave Seeger, and Chris Howard. We were talking everything where Arsenal concerned, but looking ahead towards that game on the weekend with Southampton. Saints not in the best of form as well. Perfect time for Arsenal to be playing them. Or is it the perfect time for Saints to come up to the Emirates and kickstart their season because they are languishing down the bottom of the Premier League? Well, joining us now is Tom Parker from the Saints FC podcast. Tom, not going well for Saints, obviously the last few results playing City twice losing 9-0 to Leicester losing against Everton what was a massive clash before the uh, international break both sides down there not enough confidence for Saints at the minute it is Arsenal on the weekend what are your thoughts ahead of this one
4: well I think Arsenal is a funny game isn't it because on paper there's no way Saints should get from this game Arsenal have got a better squad uh, they're at home everything's going for them but yeah, you know, I'm an optimist and you feel that Arsenal are a bit weak at home, they're prone to a mistake. If Saints can get at them, you know, there's every chance we can try and get something from the game. The problem is is whether Ralph can raise the players to do that.
2: Hey Thomas Chris here. So a quick question. So I th- I recall Ralph's first game, which was against us and um you know, a new manager bounce plus the fact that, you know, Arsenal like to give everybody a chance away from home when we're away, away from home. What's different about the Energized approach to Southampton in that in that opening sort of three months of his career, his his reign as manager compared to what's been happening this season as somebody who doesn't really ever watch Southampton.
4: Well, we've we've in recent weeks not not so much all season. We started off the season with a very poor away game at Burnley. We were then doing okay. And then the wheels have really completely fallen off following the home loss at Bournemouth. Strangely enough, we've stopped pressing. And and it's it's really odd. If you look at the way we score goals, generally we don't score brilliantly. You know, we don't score Arsenal goals. I'm talking lots of intricate passes, slicing teams open. You know, the sort of Raheem Sterling tapping at the back post goals. We score goals by putting teams under pressure, forcing them to make mistakes. Uh, Danny Ings has got two goals from uh, forcing goalkeepers into hitting the ball into him from one yard out. So already this goals, already this season. So take a few of those at Arsenal right now. Yeah, I mean, that's how we score goals. The worrying thing for the Saints is they seem to have stopped pressing. And if you look, since the Tottenham game where we lost 2-1, again, you know, we arguably because we got sorry from that game, we've stopped pressing as high up the pitch. Now, we've had a lot of in- a lot of injuries, but the worry is, is that if Ralph can't get the players motivated, particularly home game against Everton, which you mentioned earlier, that was also playful. Everton having not won an away game since March, they're in pretty torrid form themselves ahead of an international break, could Ralph? Could the players raise their game? Could Ralph get unmotivated? And he couldn't. It was one of the worst performances you'll ever see. And I think a large part of that is, for whatever reason, whether the players aren't carrying out Ralph's instructions or Ralph's asking them not to, we're not pressing. And that means that if we're not pressing, we're not creating chances.
2: So how much are the fans still behind Hassan Hüttl or is... Is it turned now? Like, are, do you still back him as a collective? Or where's the where's the sentiment at at the moment?
4: I believe that the fans are still behind Ralph. I think Southampton fans know deep down that Ralph Hassan-Hittal is probably a better manager than Southampton deserves at the present time. He was probably not a better manager than we deserved immediately after Koeman left the club or after Puel left. But he's certainly a better manager than we thought we were probably going to get. I think the problem... Is with Ralph is that he's inherited a team of, you know, a mixture of quite good players and players that simply aren't good enough. the The investment policy of the club has been very, very poor. Whenever we've spent big money on players, uh, they've got progressively worse. We've generally squandered all of the Van Dyke money that we had. So if you look at the team we've got, we've continually sold players, and for years we were able to replace those players with players as good, maybe even better. Our luck has run out and, you know, our chickens have come home to roost. And I think the problem of the underachievement of the squad, combined with the really poor running of the club, we've gone from becoming, you know, described as one of the best running clubs in the country to being one of the worst. We've got, currently got no director of football. We've got no head of recruitment. Perhaps Clive Woodward Wood will come manager. back. Oh, you know what? You can't, I mean, <laughs> it's going to be better than having no one. We've got no head of recruitment. We've got no um, under-23 coach. I don't think we've got an under-18 coach either. And obviously, a large This is the club that had the best academy in the years. league for years. Yeah. And you haven't got an and, under-18 and, you know, coach. If you look at that, and if you look at that pipeline of players coming from the under well, We took 18s, most of them until Liverpool's
3: died taking them.
4: Yeah, but even, even looking at that, we always had players coming through. And that pipeline has stopped. So I, I think you know, these next games we've got, and we said this before the Everton game, absolutely crucial. Um, we've got Arsenal coming up next. We've got games against uh, Watford and Norwich at home after that. And then I think we've got Newcastle and West Ham. Now, this Arsenal game coming up is not going to define our season. But what's more important, really, than the result is the, is the manner of the performance. And Saints players have to turn in, a, uh, turn in a performance that makes the fans proud, makes them feel that at least they're proud of wearing the shirt. The concern is if they don't, and then we go into those two big six-pointers at home you know, things could get very messy for Saints by the end of November. But
3: you've got players that you've got two players there who last season were pushing to be regulars for England in Ward Prowse and Redmond under Southgate. He liked them both. He'd had them both as under twenty ones. They were both playing well. Redmond was. Everyone was raving about uh, Nathan Redmond. And you know, and I mean, for me, I wanted us to sign Cedric Suarez. And you let him go on and loan. He's come back. He he seems to be half the player he was. So so. It, you know Arsenal we're all blaming we're blaming Emery because we know we've got good players so you're saying you're sticking with Ralph who's in Hertel and yet, and yet these players were on fire last season and, and one of them in Italy and two of them in the England squad they're not performing so why is well, that not down to the manager
4: yes and no. I mean Suarez if I look at, I think a lot of the club is, is there's bad judgment throughout the club, and I'll give you an example, which is a couple of weeks ago or last week, I think it was. Sergio Suarez gave an interview to the Daily Telegraph where he was talking about how he's loved his time at Southampton, but he's going to move on and he's going to find a new club at the end of the season when his contract runs out. And that's no big surprise. I don't think anyone ever thought, you know, he was never getting any awards for Mister Southampton. But for me, it's endemic of bad decision making in the club. Why, when the club is in freefall? and the fans are in uproar and they want to hear something positive, why are you putting up for interview with a national newspaper a bloke who, as talented as he is, has never really gone the extra mile for Saints? Why is he, what's the purpose of putting him up for that interview to say, I'm off? What message does that send to the rest of the squad? What message does that send to the employees at the club? What message does it send to Everton, who are about to play us two or three days later? And for me, yeah, you could argue it's just a newspaper interview. It doesn't mean anything. But for me, what it shows is a lack of judgment at the football club. And it's this continual lack of judgment and poor decision-making that has led to Southampton to be in the position they're in now. Because there is no way, with the players we've had and the, Ralph, the manager we've got in Ralph, there's no way we should be where we are. But what? the table doesn't lie.
1: The table doesn't lie. Tom, you said this is a game that Southampton, they need to get points from, they need to be up from it. We need to see a performance, very much like the Arsenal side. We've been saying for the past hour, we need to see a performance. So both teams are going to have to be really up for it. We're going to have to match Southampton's intensity on the weekend. But Tom, a question, what is your score prediction for the weekend?
4: I i can't see Saints getting anything out of the game. It would surprise me. 3-0 Arsenal, Lacovette and Aubameyang with two.
1: Tom, really appreciate you coming on, even if you it was just yeah, for that. Please, if, if that happens, we'll be very <laughs> happy in the studio. Tom Parker there from Saints FC Podcast. Really good to have him on, saying Arsenal going to get the result 3-0. Chris, you said it has to be uh, uh, you know, the performance just as well as the points. Dave said he wanted to spank Southampton. Does that count? Is 3-0 good enough? Yeah, that would be very That'd good. That would be amazing. i like that. Have we
3: got time to talk about the really big story of the week? Massive story of the we week. We haven't talked about
1: Ian Wright yet, have we? <laughs> <laughs> Dave, do you know what? I didn't I wasn't expecting that. Two shades too But another big story of the week, just quickly, it was uh, the North London derby in the Arsenal Women's Super League, Arsenal running out two 0 winners and it was a record attendance in the women's super league, thirty eight thousand, so that was brilliant. And it was nice for to say first time in North London Derby, the new Tottenham Stadium Arsenal got the results. So something the weekend. can. I'm I'm certainly dining out because 'cause I'm that petty and I'm that uh, stubborn.
2: Yeah. Uh, Chris I, I would well, agree. That, <laughs> I'm not yeah. I'm not the biggest fan of the, I've not been the biggest fan of the ladies football but I think it is good and it's an opportunity actually for like young kids to actually go and see this sort of stuff as well because it's so expensive going to watch the Arsenal unless you're going to wait around until the Emirates Cup in the summer so you know if you've got six
1: quid a ticket yeah
2: perfect Mm. so good opportunity go and watch some live football
1: absolutely brilliant let's turn our attention to obviously back to the Saints game Dave how do you think it will play and what is your score prediction? Well, that's, I agree with Chris. I think I hope we go back to four, two, three, one, and I think I think
3: I think our guest might have it right there. I think I, I'd happily go with three 0 and I think I can see that happening.
2: We have a terrible defense, so we're going to concede. However, I, I'm actually going to go with the win as well because I do think it'll be a. I've got a weird feeling of a three-one. I, I, I don't know three, how one. it even feels like it might be. We were talking about laying down a marker, you know, a good performance as well as the win would be just perfect. But I don't think it'll be a good performance. We talked about baby steps in the break. I think that it'll be one of those where we'll go one up, maybe it'll go 1-1, maybe it'll go 2-1 and then it's a a late minute sort of goal to to make a bit of gloss onto the performance. But I've just got a weird feeling it'll be a grinding out gritty 3-1.
1: Yeah, of course it'll be a grinding out gritty game because whenever we do need a performance and a team comes to visit where they need a performance and they've they've been in a run of terrible form, we're going to see Arsenal struggling to break them down. It it just feels like that. Unless we score early well we did that against Palace yeah but Palace were <laughs> one point behind us in the league
3: you know one position behind us they mm. they were high on confidence Southampton are about as low on confidence as you can get so
1: if we score early I can't see them responding yeah. in the way that Palace did yeah
2: I'd agree yeah. with that mm.
1: and either way it it'll be, it'll be a good Monday show won't it next week when we're back to talk about it
2: <laughs> yeah let's be positive for a change that'll be nice and yeah. a
1: big shout out to Santi Gazzola scoring for Spain this week
2: Yeah, and, and he wants what? to
3: come
1: back to the club in some
2: and capacity does, yeah we'll
3: talk maybe we'll talk about that next week Imagine. yeah
1: we should and maybe we should talk a little bit about uh, Ian Wright also they mentioned it there just come on <laughs> well we'll have a week's worth of challenges to talk about next week <laughs> we certainly will well, this has been the Arsenal Fan Show on Lost Book Radio with me Charlie Hawkins who's joined in the studio with Gunners Tan Dave Seeger and Chris Howard you can catch us next week at the same time as you can every Monday it is tradition It is the Arsenal takeover. Seven to eight, right here on Love Sport Radio.
0: Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news, and views. Or for more, follow us at Lovesport Radio on Twitter.